Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Right. If you could take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 1. You know, I came back from, uh, from the conference last week and uh, met with Pastor. And uh, on Friday, he was eager. Yeah, all week long, he was just eager. Jamie, what's this conference like? What are you getting from it? What's, what's going on? Um, and uh, he wished he could have made it over, but it was a long conference and a long week. And so that's uh, very difficult. It's difficult for me to do f- five days. Uh, difficult for anybody to do that length of period of time and so forth uh, and to get away and set away your routine. Uh, but the first thing that happened when I walked through the door, I sit down, and, uh, and I appreciate this. You know this about our pastor. Uh, and uh, he wants to get it right. I want to get it right. We don't, we don't want to mess up. We, want, we know the people's lives are coming. They're wanting encouragement. They're, um, how we preach, what we preach, how we counsel, what we counsel, um, and what we use to counsel. It's, it's, it's so, we take it very seriously. And we study, we research, we want to be able to give answers to help people uh, get through various difficult things. And his first question out of his mouth is, Jamie, are we getting it right? And uh, I said, Pastor, I was very encouraged. I learned a lot. Yes, we're getting it right. We're, u- we're using the right tool. Um, and, uh, but I did learn some things to help us use the tool better. And so he mentioned to me, he said, well, well, when I get back, I want to talk about those things of how we can better use the tool of the Word of God to helping people and, uh, and some of the practical things. And, um, and I'm going to share one of those here at the end of, uh, end of tonight because of how important it is, and it was shared at the conference so many times. Uh, but, uh, you know, really when it goes into things, uh, well, let me put it like this. When I knew my mom was going to pass away, but that doesn't all of a sudden go, well, okay, so then when it happened, you're kind of like, okay, well, I expected that. No, still hard, ex- exponentially hard. Um, I knew when my dad was going to pass away. And, uh, you know, I go into that, and it's just like, well, so you knew he was going to pass away, so it didn't hit you as hard. Nope, hard. Uh, you can know something's coming. Soldiers get trained and prepared, and they know based upon various training and camp and boot camp and whatever it is they go through, they're trying to prepare them for hardship. It's going to be tough. And most of all, we're going to give you meals you don't like. Okay? I've had those talks with Paul before of just going, so, I mean, was it gourmet meals? Yeah, right, whatever. You know, we give America's best, America's worst food. Okay? Somehow that doesn't make sense to me, but nevertheless, that's what we do, unfortunately. Okay? And, uh, but nevertheless, we train them for hardship. But no matter how much you train for hardship, you go and you get, and especially if you're a combat soldier, you go over there and you face, and as, as has been said before, you see the worst of humanity. And it's hard to guess what to expect and predict, because and predict, you want to protect, you want to, okay, it's going to be bad, it's going to be bad. But you just, we train, and we train better than anybody else on earth. But still you get in there, and they see the worst of the worst. And then, as the representative said, when they come back, how can we expect them, oh, well, they'll be fine. No, they need our help. 
They need our encouragement. We can't just sit there. You know what? Expectations. It's not just on the battlefield with combat soldiers. Uh, and everything. We're talking about it could be marriage. Could be having kids. I remember, well, I remember this, is a, this is a joke between my, she's not in here right now, but um, I remember I said, I couldn't wait to get married because after all, when you get married, you wake up on a Saturday morning and you're making pancakes and all of a sudden, all of a sudden we start throwing flour at each other and stuff like that. And, and we're having, an, and we go chasing each other through the home and we're throwing flour at each other. And, and I used to tell Amber this when we were dating and she said, the only time we throw flour at each other is when we'd be mad, you know, that's about the only time we throw flowers when we've, when we've been mad and earlier on in our marriage. It's never been in a love of, of like, oh, we're just so giddy and having so much fun as our marriage. No, expectations, you get married and you find out, okay. She found out, well, she found, I gotta be careful here, I was about to say how wonderful I am. No, she, she, she found out, this man's not easy. She found out, you get into marriage and you find out, whew, I'll never forget a biblical counselor telling me years ago, uh, a mentor of mine, he said, when you get married, everything in the world is against you trying to tear you apart. Everything. You, your flesh, is striving to tear it apart. Your wife's flesh is trying to tear it apart. And you get into you, And it's like, what are these little things running around who are interrupting every conversation I try to have with my wife? Oh, those are called kids. I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to have a loving relationship. And, and you can find yourself, okay, you know, i got to disciple them to how to, when to speak, when not to speak, and so forth, and that takes time. And I thought, you know what? That's so true. You've got to learn how to handle your children in a way. You've got to learn how to, you got to die to your selfishness. You've got to, expectations. Expectations are huge across the board. It doesn't matter if it's going into a job. And well, I was expecting the job to be this way, and it didn't turn out to be quite that way. Doesn't matter if you're a combat soldier, doesn't matter if it's marriage, doesn't matter if it's a job, doesn't matter whatever. We find ourselves constantly disappointed in the area of expectations. We get into something and it wasn't quite the way, even if we knew it was going to be hard, it's not quite the way we expected. And you know, Paul, several times throughout the scriptures, and not just Paul, but Peter and James, they have defined, and many times you've seen it, they who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we know that. The scriptures have told us over and over again, hey, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Being a Christian doesn't all of a sudden mean everything is smooth and easy. In fact, in one aspect, things improve as you grow in the Lord. In another aspect, things just got tougher. Okay? And Paul told us that was going to take place, and it says that in Romans chapter 7, that great chapter in Romans 7 telling about the, the war within things I'm doing I don't really want to do, but I'm still doing them, and there's this battle going on that the unsaved world doesn't deal with. They just simply follow their flesh. So there's expectations that are being difficult that we're dealing with, and and they're unfulfilled, and we find ourselves um, sometimes having unrealistic expectations even then. You know what? When we look at Colossians chapter 1, I want you to look down. We're going to start in verse 28. Speaking of Christ... As Paul says, whom we preach, warning every man, in verse 28 of chapter 1, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. 
I just want to share three, three points here with you tonight, really just breaking down this idea of labor, striving, and according to his working. Uh, three aspects within that verse 29 there that I want to talk about to you tonight uh, because uh, um, it's, it's just, and many of you, are, you're, you might be familiar with the battle. You say, yeah, I know, I'm battling it every day. Uh, but I'll tell you what, um, you've, you've, you've watched me grow up in ministry here. Um, I was thinking as I was preparing this message, I thought, you know what, um, my previous ministry at Providence, um, there was some things I learned there in ministry, okay? And, uh, and I got ordained at, at Providence Baptist. Um, but if somebody say, what, what have you gained at Mayo Baptist Church? Uh, probably number one, it immediately comes to my mind, is a greater love for God's word. Because I have been counseling. Down there it was, hey, you're listening to the wrong music, kid. Stop that. Hey, hey, you're, you're dressing immodestly. Stop that. Hey, stop being angry with your brother. Hey, it was teenage things, teenage things that they were struggling with. And, of course, the teenage things since I started teenage ministry 15 years ago has greatly changed today. The battles these young people are facing. But up here, I get up here, and I'm dealing with teen, the teenage battle is more intense. Um, it would be intense if I was back in Florida as well. It's just because things are more, technology has made it more challenging. Uh, and everything with what, what kids are being exposed to now. As Pastor shared, what came to a school hereby, I'm like, what in the world? I, I had no idea what Pastor was talking about Sunday morning when he said that, that this, this situation that came to one of the local schools. I've been out of the loop, so I didn't know, and so he brought me up to speed on it, and uh, I was glad he said something uh, about that. And it's just, it's just like, man, what the exposure our young people are getting, are, are getting exposed to. But uh, it's not just that. It's, it's the challenges and trials I've been through since I've been here, how you've watched me grow and mature, and hopefully, and I, that process continues. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, had never been, I had never helped adults in that capacity. It's been teenagers. My ministry has been children and teenagers. And so I knew when I was coming up here and I was being told what I was going to be doing, and that has just grown and developed, and I love discipleship. I love biblical counseling. I love helping people, uh, helping them see victory through God's word. But even through my own challenges, I have grown to love God's word. I have grown, I have grown to uh, truly understand that there is another level, and that's what I'm going to be talking about Sunday morning. There's another level that many people don't get to in their spiritual growth and, and understand what it is. And I'm going to be talking about that on Sunday morning a little bit. Um, it's just another level. And it's another level kind of like the fact that when I was growing up, uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Michael Jordan. Just, he, was, he was on another level. Another level. And I remember my dad always telling me about the fact that, oh, man, you got to watch Jack Nicholas. He's on another level. I did. I love watching Jack Nicholas. And, of course, I got the tail end. I had to watch tapes of him because he, Golden Bear was no more around and so forth when I got up there. But, uh, but nevertheless, and, and you know what? It was fun. These are the guys that, you, you, like Dale, Han- uh, not Dale Handers. <laughs> um, Dale Earnhardt. There we go. Sorry, Dale. Uh, <laughs> Dale Earnhardt, Dale Handers. Doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt. I didn't like him. I'm a, I, I grew up, my dad was a, a Rick Mears racing fan. That was a Penn's, a Penn, a Penn, whatever it is, Penske. I mean, that, that, he, was, he was all Rick Mears racing. That was what my dad was into. So that's what I, I grew up a little bit with. And then, of course, I, I, hopped, I hopped over, and, and I liked my man, my twin, my brother, Jeff Gordon, you know. And so that's what I got into. And, but yet... If you told me Dale Earnhardt was on the track, I wanted to watch. I hate him because he was my competition. 
I want Jeff Gordon to win. So you either loved Jordan or you hated Jordan. And that's because he wasn't on your team, okay? But they were on another level. They were bigger than the sport themselves to some degree. They were on another level. And you know, in our spiritual walk, there's another level that we need to get to in our spiritual walk, not just simply a Bible knowledge. I talk to a lot of people. I can go door to door and I can find people that go, I know all about Noah and the ark. I I know all about, I know Jesus died on the cross. Then why are you at home? Because there's another level they did not get to. And that happens right here within a local church. And that's what the Lord has really helped me the last six years in since I've been here. And what's really cool is I was sharing with Sandy Henrich earlier today. Uh, It's special to me, very special. I've been looking, I've been targeting Sunday. uh, Just, it's been on my mind for several years now. of Like, I can't wait. The end of March, 2019, I will officially have been here longer than at Providence. And that, that, to me, that's, just, that's huge. That's a big deal to me. It means, it means the world to me that I've been here, that coming up to Sunday, I've been here longer than I was at the last ministry. Like I said, it's just a big deal to me. And Pastor, get it. Pastor, you said, I get it. I totally get it. It means a lot to me. Thank you for hanging on to me and not getting rid of me, okay? Uh, but uh, I, I have. I've really grown. I love it here. I, lo- I, love, I love my church family. Uh, but through the process of it, growing to love God's word and know that if somebody comes up to me and says, well, here's my problem. Can God's word really help me? Absolutely. No shadow of a doubt. I have helped so many different people in different places. And when you look at verse 29, Paul is saying, hey, get ready. The Christian walk, hey, when you go to minister, whether it be whatever you're doing in your Christian walk, notice that Paul, the great Christian of all time, said, I still have to labor. I still am striving according to his working. What I want you to see here for just a moment is that you have to be exerting to the point of fatigue. That's point number one. You have to be exerting to the point of fatigue. There are battles you are going to go through in your Christian walk that you feel like it just never ends. You love those times when you can actually sit down and read a good book and you're not fighting your mind. You love those times when you can sit back and you can watch that, that, that show that you'd like to watch, but you know right now you're in a battle that I can't sit down and watch because the, the, the struggle within me is so intense. And sometimes you're going to have to be exerting to the point of fatigue. The word labor there, the word labor is to be toiled, to be wearied. So Paul's telling you, hey, expect it. Expect it. Sometimes that labor comes as a result of your own struggles that you have within you that you know it's weaknesses of your heart that you struggle with. Sometimes it just comes because Satan says, I'm going to plague you. Oh, you're not feeling too well today? Guess what? I'm going to hop on your back and make this day a living nightmare to you. The devil, oh, he's already having a rough day. Let's just leave him alone. Oh, no. Oh, no. And that's exactly what Paul was doing. Paul got attacked sometimes by religious leaders and so forth, and he says, I also labor, okay? I labor. And so many people abandon at this point because they sit and go, what is up with this? Why is it getting harder? I've become a new Christian, and now my family is going against me, and I wasn't expecting all this. And it's like, oh, you had the wrong expectations because you're going to have to exert sometimes to the point of fatigue. It is wearing to battle spiritually. It is tiring. Uh, Next, we see the word striving there, the word striving. And this deals with uh, endeavoring to accomplish the objective. 
Striving is the idea of agonizing. Okay? And, of course, the first person that always comes to my mind is Bob whenever I've had conversations with him and just the struggles he faced as a, as a, as a runner and so forth and things. He gets the idea uh, and so forth. But many of us need to get the understanding, too, that um, you are going to sometimes be running and everything in the world, you're running the Christian race and everything in the world is working against you. Everything. And it can, or should I say, it can seem like that. It can seem like that. And that's what happens to men and women dealing with PTSD, whether they be first responders, if it deals with uh, uh, combat veterans, or, or any other type of vet for that matter, okay? Uh, law, law enforcement, medical people, you name it. Um, it can just seem I'm running and running and running, and I'm agonizing through this, and yet I, well, here's what I know, I hurt. Um, the, the family that just lost their child. What they know is they hurt. I just wrote a letter to a 12-year-old boy uh, about three weeks ago. It doesn't come here. Um, a 12-year-old boy, this 12-year-old boy is in another church in another state. And uh, uh, that 12-year-old boy just lost his mom. And somebody asked me, said, can you write him a letter? And I, I, and I, and I told him, I, I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. When my mom passed, I remember everybody telling me, and you probably have heard me say this before, everybody telling me that, well, you'll be okay. You have the Lord. I'm like, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean, I have the Lord? Well, you have the Lord. He'll give you strength to get through that. I appreciate what pastor preached. I don't know if it was Sunday morning or Sunday night, but it's just like, yes, he does give grace, but you've got to get into the word to get it. You've got to get into the word and let the word get into you and to get that, to experience the victory and power that comes from his word. It's alive. And it's doing, it does great things. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But you've got to endeavor. Sometimes there's going to be agonizing. And the feelings, everything about you is saying, I hurt, I'm in torment, I'm in struggle. I'll say, yeah, you're going to be striving. Expect it. You're going to be striving. But there's no doubt Paul had as his focus, as his focus, the consequences of not staying focused and the rewards of doing such and probably had times where he was about ready to give up, but he, he knew failure is not an option. Failure is not an option. But you have to have an understanding of how victory is accomplished, and Paul had that understanding because he had spent time with the risen Savior. He was growing in the Lord, and so he knew, okay, it's one act of obedience after another, even though my feelings are rejecting everything I'm doing right now. It's one act of obedience after another. The emotions are always the last thing to catch up. I tell people that in all, all counseling. I said, don't tell me how you, I said, I give them time to tell me how they feel. Then we get done. I said, okay, now we're done focusing on feelings because feelings come from where? They come from the heart and the heart is deceitful above all. And so we, we, we can't say, well, I'm going to live off of feelings. No, no, feelings are deceitful. Feelings are deceitful. And, uh, and so we, we dig into that aspect of things. It's an act, one act of obedience after another. A key word right here is according in verse 29, and, a, a word, and the word according. This is so critical because it's with complete dependence upon. That's what the word according means. I'm laboring and I'm striving with complete dependence upon something. No, someone. 
And I would get here to the, this aspect. One, keep in mind, you're exerting to the point of fatigue. You're endeavoring to accomplish the objective. He knows what he's serving. He knows what he's trying to accomplish in people's lives. Number three, though, is being energized by Christ. It says right there in verse 29, to his working, which worketh in me mightily. I've had an uncle before who uh, very much opposes the things of God. When I talk with him, he, he, uh, he just thinks I'm in some crazy place. Uh, you wouldn't believe what he says about up here. He just, why would anybody live up there? Um, is, is his thing, you know, he calls it a God-forsaken place and so forth and, and everything like that. And he's just, um, he lives down south, and he doesn't understand why anybody lives where white stuff is on the ground. Um, but nevertheless, uh, he, said, he said, I know what your religious stuff is all about. I said, I said, religious stuff. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, it's just another form of positive thinking. You're just trying to get people, people's minds off of something and onto something else. I can do that with my music that I have. And he goes to explaining all this. And, I, and I'm like, hey, do I try to explain this to him? And I, I sit there and I battle with it. Because I sit there and I say, okay, you cannot help a carnal man understand spiritual things. And I've given him the gospel. He knows I've, I've shared the gospel before. He knows the gospel. And if I try to talk gospel, immediately I'm, I'm shut down. I mean, very quickly shut down. And so uh, he's challenging me here with these things. But I say, well, no, that's not quite it. And if you want to ask me more, and he goes, no, nah, he, he blows me off. It's not positive thinking. Although positive thinking helps. But it is not the cure-all. Because even positive thinking has its end, where all of a sudden you want, all the positive thinking in the world didn't help me at 2 a.m. this morning. All the positive thinking in the world is not going to change the way this family feels with the loss of child. Okay, yes, positive thinking, yes, my child's in heaven, okay. But I'm hurting, and positive thinking is not as strong as the hurt that I feel within my heart. There is only one thing or one person that can heal that heart. And it's not your stubborn will. I'm not going to let it get me. I have met too many people. I've met too many big people, tough, strong, stubborn people who've been taken down by their own heart. When nothing else could take them down, their own heart took them down. Their own heart took them down. And I want to remind you of a verse you've heard of before, and I want to to focus your attention here in our last moments. Turn over to Hebrews really quickly here. Hebrews chapter 4, please. This gets a little bit into uh, uh, what I'm looking, praying. I believe the Lord would have me to show on Sunday morning. In Hebrews chapter 4, and look at verse number 12. You no doubt perhaps have heard this before in preaching, maybe even used it when talking with other people. But I want you to see this here. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't know how to express this any other way, but let me tell you something. A lot of times people say, I'm reading the Bible. I, it's not helping. And there's so many other verses we could get into here, but we don't, but we don't have the time here uh, this evening. The Bible is so, you can't just simply, I'm reading the Bible. Yes, that will help. Okay. Because we know that God's word will not return void. But it will accomplish the purpose where he intended. So when I hear somebody's reading the Bible, I'm, I'm glad you're doing that. 
But in due time, I'm hoping that they'll go to another level. And understand that the Bible is different. Because the Bible, the word is actually the living word. As the gospel of John talks to us about. This right here, you better hold on to it. You better hold on to it tight because it's alive. It's alive. And, and that's what's exciting when I have people in my office. So I'm sitting there and I'm talking to them and I'm trying to challenge them with some practical things about, well, well don't talk to me about your feelings. Let's talk about facts. Let's talk about this. And that's all good, but that's, that's my words. But I loved what I've developed in my ministry here, and I'm not perfect at it, but what I've developed here is my love for God's word. And now, instead of telling people, uh, talking them till I'm blue in the face, which some of you know I can do that very well, okay? Instead, I sit here and go, uh, you have your Bible with you? Go ahead and open up your Bible, please. And so they get their Bible, and they open up, and I go, can you read verse such and such? What am I doing? I'm getting excited. Because I'm like, here it goes. I'm unleashing the sword. Watch out. And you say, really, you feel that way? I do. I, I love biblical counseling. Uh, I, if, when I, before I got here, it had been like, uh, let's see here, preaching number one, two youth activities. Youth activities, no more. Sorry, teens. I don't mind doing them. They're okay, but they kill me. Okay. All right. But preaching number one, I love Biblical counseling. Because I know this thing's alive and I've experienced it. I've walked that field around in circles quoting scripture. I've walked paced through this church when I'm struggling with depression and everything else. And a wife's kiss did not do it. My father-in-law calling up was helpful to try to give me a little bit of counsel. But ultimately if you say, what did it? Right here. Right here. Even when I've had physical pain that I've been dealing with uh, due to varying factors and I'm having to get up here and leave music on a Sunday several years ago, I thought to myself, I just kept quoting scripture, kept quoting scripture in my head and kept going through it. This book is alive and I wish I could express it in a way that would just inspire you to go, okay, 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 I'll get into it. Please, you will be amazed on what will happen in your life because he says it is quick. Nothing else does that talk about that. It doesn't say, you know what, Tom's quick. Well, I mean, he is quick after all but he's not quick like this, okay? There's nothing like this word in the entire world. The word of God is quick, it is alive. And in fact, one of the things that came to my mind, as I thought to myself, it is alive and active. And I thought to myself, that's like yogurt. Isn't that feel good to put those alive and active cultures into your body? Bring that yogurt in and go, there's something working within, Making me clean. This is better than yogurt. Okay? This is better than yogurt. It's alive. It's active. And you're not going to, and until you experience it. Those of you in here who've been through challenges and you've taken this and you've gone after with all your heart, you go, I know what you're talking about. But if you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you're looking at me now with going, hmm, not too sure. Not too sure. But it's in the last seven years. I would have preached this verse eight years ago and have been like, well, you see what it says. That's what it is. It's alive. And I would have told you, I understand that. I understand it better today now. And I'll tell you what, I know that in the future, there's probably more trials going to come where God is really showing to me 
Hey, my word is quick. It's powerful. It awakens the conscience. I don't know about you, but I want my conscience awoken because of the fact that I'm really, I, I don't like to keep doing the same things that are only causing me more physical conflict, stress to my body and everything else. Don't you really get tired of being who you are? I mean, I do. I mean, I, I, I used to think years ago, man, if I could preach like Tom Farrell one day, oh, if I could preach like Morris Gleiser, oh. And of course, Pastor was like, and me. Oh, yeah, and if I could be like Pastor Glenn McMorris someday, you know. But now it's just like, no. No, I gave up on that a long time ago and just like, I got a big enough problem trying to defeat the Jamie yesterday. In fact, I got a big enough problem defeating the Jamie from this morning. Okay? For me, it's, it's I mean, I, Lord, awaken my conscience. Help me to see, and that's what your word does. Help me to quit doing the dumb things I keep doing. They're only causing trouble in my life, and it doesn't allow me to be effectively helping other people. I want to help people. And it says there that it's sharper. It reaches the heart. That's where the center of action happens. From out of your heart, you do, you say, and you think. And it reveals your motives. I dare say, you may say, okay, I'll get into God's word. Okay, then you say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try that. Next time you read God's word, Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart, and show me from your word. Oh, and by the way, after I'd spend time doing that, I'm going to go talk to somebody who loves me a lot and ask them, where do you think I'm struggling? Lord willing, that's your spouse. But that's a tough thing to do. Yo, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't need them harping on me. I get it. I get it. I understand that. But I have found that as I have opened myself up more to my wife, sharing with her my spiritual challenges, you know what I found out? She started in time. Didn't happen right away. In fact, it took a couple years. She started opening up more to me. I started learning more of her challenges that I had no idea. And then we started praying for each other. And now we're a team working, and she knows my challenges. And, yeah, we have to practice biblical love. I'm not harping on each other, and we have to work at that. And I would have to say we've been doing pretty good at that, learning to better understand that, wow, we both have our challenges. But now we at least we're on the same sheet of music battling these things together. And that's why we have here, ultimately, Paul is saying in Colossians 1, hey, press on. Expect that you're going to be laboring. Expect that you're going to be striving. But know that it's to his working which worketh in me mightily. You are only going to be able to be the kind of mother you need to be through God's power. You're only going to be able to be the kind of dad you need to be through God's power. You cannot, you, for without me in John 15, ye can do nothing. And we say it, but do we really believe it and embrace it? And that's why I, I tell you tonight that you have to press on, and you press on by exerting to the point of fatigue. You press on by endeavoring to accomplish the objective, by striving. You press on by being energized by Christ and his word. And I'm going to finish right here with this one verse. You don't need to turn there. don't need to turn there. But I thought this is a great verse to end everything with here tonight as you reflect upon these things. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15, it says in verse number 10, Paul once again saying, But by the grace of God... I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Think about that as you are needing to press not around the circumstances you're dealing with right now, 
but press through them in his might by being in his word and letting that thing be quick and powerful and helping you press on. Lord, we thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would take this message. You know how it has challenged me. I thank you, Lord, for your word that has given me victory in so many ways. And Lord, I I have more ways in which I need victory. And uh, Lord, I know that it's going to be an active pursuit until the day that I die. Well, Lord, I pray that there will be some. Lord, my, my prayer would be that everyone in here, but Lord, I pray that some in here tonight might be inspired once again to, hey, I need to press on. I need to be willing to, to labor, to agonize. Lord, doing it in your might to press through whatever challenge I'm facing right now. Lord, I just pray that you would help those here tonight who have been under the preaching of your word, that it would challenge them. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I just want to take a moment here. Perhaps tonight, as you're out there, you're, you're reflecting upon what was preached. You'd say, Pastor Jamie, um, I'm not having an altar call or anything, but you say, pray for me. I've been convicted, I've been challenged tonight, and I know I need to press on in the power of his mind, and I ask you to pray for me. Anybody like that with a raised hand? Anybody like Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.